Restoration Counseling Podcast number six. Here we go. The information you receive in this podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling. If you or someone you know is hurting, we encourage you to please talk to them and have them contact their local professional counselor. Enjoy today's show. Welcome to the Restoration Counseling Podcast. It's not for therapists, it's for everybody. I'm your host, professional counselor, Jared Pogue. Not everybody needs therapy, but certainly everybody needs a little help every now and then. We help people understand their world and their relationships one mistake at a time. In this week's episode, I got the privilege of interviewing marriage and family therapist Mead Reed about self-confidence. As a surprise to no one, we ended up talking about much more than just self-confidence. Due to the quality and length of our conversation, I've had to break this up into two separate episodes. Uh, Get out your pen and paper for this one, though. Mead is a wellspring of wonderful information and uh, redeeming personal experiences. I promise that you will walk away seeing the world much more beautifully. Finally, a quick reminder to send in your questions and inquiries um, or topics that you want discussed. Uh, please feel free to email me these topics uh, at jared, J-A-R-E-D, at restorationcounselingatl.com. Again, that's jared, no capital letters, no spaces, at restorationcounselingatl.com. Uh, without any more delay, I present to you my conversation with Mead Reed. Take a moment and introduce yourself so that uh, we can learn a little bit more about you. Thank you for having me on the podcast today, Jared. My name is Mead Reed, and I am a marriage and family therapist, and I work a lot with kids and adolescents and couples and families, and just really enjoy the work that I do. Very feel very passionate about it. Nice. That's awesome. I imagine one of the biggest things you're running into day to day uh, in your work is self-confidence. Mm. I imagine that plays a huge role, particularly with kids, marriage and families. How do you, how do you handle that? How do you broach that? Do you mean like with the families or just in general? Um, let's start with general. For myself or with them? Oh, yes to everything. <laughs> Start with yourself. I'm okay. Okay. I think for that confidence begets confidence. That I said this to a client a while back that we that I don't think anybody is ever a hundred percent confident all the time. Mm-hmm. And you know, while some personalities are have more like of an instinctual way of being confident. I think a lot of it is learned over time. And I think a lot of it we we learn and you know that the more that we kind of lean into discomfort in our lives mm. and 
practice courage, I think that we actually gain confidence to know that we can handle situations. Um, I work a lot with, you know, kids and individuals who do struggle a lot with anxiety. And I think anxiety, you know, when someone is anxious, they often want to avoid what's making them anxious because it's no one likes to feel anxious. Yeah, it's not and, fun. Right, it's not, not a fun feeling. And yet, when we actually lean into what makes us uncomfortable, I think that, you know, we're practicing courage. And that also gives us this sense of, you know, knowing that you can do it, you know, feeling like, okay, I've got this. So I think, you know, leaning into that part and actually practicing the courage and, you know, courage comes when we, when we're, we're afraid of something and yet we still continue, we face it, right? But when we do that, I think that we actually gain confidence rather than, you know, avoiding what makes us anxious. And I think it's easier to avoid what makes us anxious, but I don't think that that really is where the growth is. It doesn't sound like a, a long-term solution to me. You noted that you were working a lot with children, uh, mm-hmm. especially with anxiety and, and self-confidence. I, I'm always curious. It seems like childhood plays such a big role in our lives. I heard, once heard someone say that the childhood predicts the man like the morning predicts the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can you speak to about uh, what self-confidence and childhood would have in common? How do they, do they even go hand in hand? Definitely. I think that we all have experiences, you know, that we carry around with us. I read an article in grad school that talked about, you know, this like invisible backpack that we all have our past wounds, our past hurts that we carry with us. Mm. And I think that those, our memories of them can change over time and that they can heal. But unless somebody has actually gone to that place and really worked through some of that, they may not even realize how much their own childhood has impacted them and how much the wounds of a child, you know, the wounds during their childhood have really impacted them. Uh, you're saying it's it's kind of invisible sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Something, it doesn't sound like something we can always spot ourselves. Yes, because I think we all have blind spots. So, you know, and I think awareness of something, awareness of what makes us anxious, awareness of a wound, an area where we can grow, I think that that actually helps us with helps us in our um, self-growth and can help us in our confidence. You know, I I feel like awareness of it is half the battle. If we're not aware of it, we don't know how to change it, you know? Um, But I do think that childhood plays a big role. And even in my own life, I can think back to my childhood and my parents who um, are both very outgoing, I would say really when my brother and I were little, they would push us to talk to people that we didn't know. You know, when we were at the beach, there would be another child playing and they would go up and have us introduce ourselves and make a friend on the beach, you know? And and then when we would go to camp, they really encouraged us to not, cat, not you know, room with the same people that we knew from the year before. They wanted us to meet new people. and Because they always told us, like, if you can you know, communicate with people, then you're going to be successful in life, you know, and I think a lot of that, I remember as a child being very nervous about that, and, um, 
And I would say it was, you know, outgoing child, but still going, you know, pushing myself outside my comfort zone was um, definitely, you know, a little was definitely scary. And even they wanted us to also be comfortable with adults. So they would bring us to things that maybe other kids wouldn't necessarily go to because they wanted us to to really feel like we could talk to adults. So, um, and you know, so that is like really cool to think about as I like look back on that, because that has really been, um, you know, played a lot in my life, not to mention the things that were said to me as far as like encouragement and the way that like my parents, the way that they love me, you know, those kind of things. That definitely helped my confidence, you know? Yeah, do you think someone who doesn't have self-confidence parents would, be able to become self-confident. It sounds like from what you're saying, it's a it's an uphill battle. Yeah. If you don't have that push, I mean, you're describing that push to me, and if you told that to a six-year-old version of me, I would run away crying and scared, yeah. push to talk to random people on the beach. Uh, that doesn't fit who I am, I guess, or at least who I was then. So what happens to the people who don't have that push, mm-hmm. who are left sort of alone? I think as long as they have at least one person in their life that is pushing them in that direction or encouraging them in that direction, like a a positive reinforcement, you know, that they can succeed in that way and they can, you know, develop their confidence. I think even if their parents aren't necessarily giving them that, that they can get it from somewhere else. You know, I remember um, my dad... You know, I would go to the grocery store a lot, and there was this man that was working at the grocery store, and Dad always made, you know, kind of made friends with the people that were there, and he would yeah. always, you know, this guy wanted to go to medical school, and so he said to him, he said, you know, as long as you have one person that at least, you know, is, is telling you that you can do this, you know, mm. I believe that you can, you know, and he's like, I want to tell you that I believe that you can do this, and so I remember hearing him say that, and I thought that has really stuck with me of just wanting, you know, we just never know how somebody might not have anyone that really mm. encourages them. And that, that's very that's very sad to me. And also encourages me to wanna, you know, be that for yeah. somebody that, you know, maybe needs that. Yeah. Especially with clients. I mean, you know, thinking about some of their stories, they may not have, have had a positive influence, mm. you know. But I but I do think that that even if they haven't had that, like all is not lost. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. I think they still can become more confident. Yeah, I think it, I think it's harder because I think they have sort of have their back against the wall in a way. As I was saying about you know kind of the invisible backpack, um, I think that they have these past wounds or you know the way that they're they might have more negative self talk if they have a negative yeah. childhood. You know, um, so it does make it a little bit harder. But I definitely think it's something that's possible. No, that's that's very encouraging to hear. I think as we're talking about self-confidence, we're really brushing up with the idea of self-esteem. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of self-words, I think, in, in the world yeah. of, of therapy, and it can get a little overwhelming, you know, self-confidence, self-worth, self-esteem, things like that. Um, differentiate those for me a little bit, particularly when it comes to self-confidence and, and self-esteem. What, what do they mean? What are they? I think that they are similar, but they're different, because I think... You know, when I think of self-confidence, I think of something more in, like, the present moment that is more based on a set of circumstances. Like, 
kind of like a more specific area. Someone can feel confident in a certain area, but they may not feel confident in another area. So, you know, I feel confident in, for example, running. An area where I don't feel confident is construction. I mean, there are, other, <laughs> there are plenty of other areas I could name too, but that's just the first one that comes to mind, yeah. you know? And yet I also have this confidence to know that I don't, that's not an area where I'm, I know I have an expertise in, you know, so I know I would not be qualified to do that. So I think, you know, again, self-confidence when you're comparing it to self-esteem is more, is, is more based in, you know, in the circumstance. So somebody can muster up the confidence for some for one area but they may not have a high self-esteem you know um and i think self-esteem is kind of more um like a broad spectrum where it it kind of follows the person everywhere that Hmm. they go you know you're saying it's kind of like their default in a sense like if they're in a new situation all of a sudden this is what's going to be present confidence-wise. Yes. Um, and perhaps even if they're not in a new situation, but maybe if they're alone, that's what's there. Yes, like it kind of, it's with them no matter where they are. And they might have moments where they do feel less confident, hmm. but at the same time, they they still have this sense of self-esteem where they um, regard themselves in a positive way. It has to do with value. Yes, how, I think it's how well they see themselves. Yes, I do. I think it's how they view themselves and viewing themselves as in a humble way and also viewing their needs as just as important as someone else's, not, you know, placing them above or like lower than, but um you know, the, the example that comes to mind is like thinking of an actor, for example. An actor might be really self-confident in an acting role on, you know, on the big screen and then at the same time have really low self-esteem and not really have as much self-care or self mm. kind of compassion, you yeah. know? Uh, when self-esteem is missing, what do you think is typically sort of present instead? What types of things would you find if someone who doesn't have a, a great self-esteem, what might they be suffering with? I would say definitely negative self-talk, the way just really talking negatively to their self, and also just their self-worth. Like they have a very low self-worth, I would say, mm-hmm. when they are struggling with their self-esteem. Yeah. What's that look like more tangibly? I think it looks like somebody telling themselves they're worthless, that they Mm. don't um, mean anything, their life Mm. doesn't matter, really sad, Mm. you know, negative things about themselves. And sadly, again, that, you know, someone may have had a childhood where that was told to them and that was all that they knew. Mm. And and a lot of that, I think, if if that's the case, a lot of times I think it can be because a parent feels that way about themselves and Mm. they're projecting that onto, you know, the child and and as I'm saying that I'm thinking about anybody who's listening who maybe has had that you know experience that I really think that that is more about the person who said it 
than mm. it is about the person who is the recipient of hearing that message. But it's so you easy know? to take in that. Of course. Um, I can tell myself that reasonably all day. Right. I know personally that someone's said things. We think everyone's had that experience where someone said something and you, you took it in. Definitely. And it's, I get what you're saying, but at the mm. same time, it, I think the words themselves don't knock down that wall. Right, they don't. You're right. How, how does it become more alive, more mm. personal in, in this case? How, do, how does it go from just saying, okay, well, this, was, this wasn't right, or this was wrong, or this was about them. Mm. How does it become sort of, I guess, that truth coming to life, uh, being animated? Well, I think it's, you know, having someone who is a positive person in that person's life, I think is a, is a definitely a place to start. Um, yeah. And I think at least acknowledging those wounds. I think a lot of times, you know, in, in if someone has had an experience like that, they probably have shut themselves off from it yeah. or not realized how that has made them feel or they've made a vow, you know, to say like to themselves, like I'm never going to feel anything or yeah. I'm not going to let myself feel anything. And that's a very powerful thing because, you know, that just set someone up for disaster, mm. you know? But then but someone may not even realize that at, at a young age that they have maybe said something like that to themselves. Yes. So again, I think the acknowledgement of it, I think is very important. And then having someone that can kind of replace that negative with positive, you know, mm. and say that, and speak truth of like, no, that person that said that to you, they were the ones that were hurting. You know, it's like that old saying, of hurting people hurt others. Mm. It's very true, mm. you know? And, um, and get, so like getting, trying to get some perspective on it, um, I think is kind of a place to start. Thank you for joining us for the Restoration Counseling Podcast. Our podcast is a product of Restoration Counseling of Atlanta, located in Roswell and Woodstock, Georgia. If you'd like to ask questions or inquire about counseling, please feel free to do so. You can email us at info at restorationcounselingatl.com. Again, that's info at restorationcounselingatl.com. If you'd like to contact Jared, please feel free to email him at jared, J-A-R-E-D, at restorationcounselingatl.com. Thank you.